Growing up, we went to a Baptist church. It was very much family, very close. Um, we went twice a day on Sunday, every Wednesday night. Uh, graduated from a Catholic high school, um, continued down that journey. So my faith has always been very strong and I've always been very grounded in that. In 1998, um, I got married. I started a family right away. Um, I actually had three boys in 28 months. So none of them were twins. So Wyatt, West, and Colt. Um, they were all preemies. They were born anywhere from, you know, three weeks to nine weeks premature. Um, they all came with health issues, things like that, and um, were very sick babies. And at that point in my life, I really thought, okay, God, this is it. You know, kind of, you know, thanks, I got this. You, you got me through this. You made me a stronger person. And this is, this is how it's going to be. And I, I've had mine now. And discovered that, that that's not true. <laughs> And uh, I had been married for 15 years, and my boys were older, established in our careers, established in our home, for better purposes, just your average family. You know, the boys were, at that point, they were 13, 11, and 10. Uh, West had just finished the fifth grade. It was that summer between um, the start of middle school. He went to a friend's house to play. It was July 1st, uh, 2012. And he never came home. I got a phone call that um, he was missing. I knew that they would be swimming and, you know, things like that. But they had been playing on a water trampoline. And they called and said they couldn't find him. I knew at that point that that West was gone. I, I said to my mom, I know he's gone. She was, don't say that, all of those things. And I remember standing on the shore, just praying to God, please, please just let them find him. I can't leave him here. And they did. In the entire time, sitting in the hospital for those hours, just waiting, I knew in my heart that God had him. And had I not known that, I don't think I could have left the hospital that day if I hadn't, didn't know he was okay. After I got home and kind of got through telling the other boys that he was gone and all of those things, I kind of just went into that take care of business mode. Uh, we had to plan, we had to call, we had to do all of those things that you don't know how to do, you don't know who to call, you, you never in your wildest dreams think you'll have to. I was done. I had done my hard part. I had been strong. I had been given everything I could handle. My kids could swim. My, my kids would never drown. None of that would ever happen. But it had. And that overwhelming 
need to take care of everyone else was kind of just what kept me going. As long as everybody else was going to bed, as long as everyone else was sleeping, if everyone was okay and getting along and it, it was a weird dance of all of these people in my life. And I just had to take care of business. I was in that, that mode. I realized now that I stayed in that mode for a very long time much longer than I ever intended to. I was getting everyone else help. So I went to the different places I knew I could go to, different support groups, things like that, because everyone else needed help. And I was given, <laughs> I know by God, the most amazing gentleman that is part of why I survived. He, until he retired just a few years ago, he's someone that I met with on a regular basis. He had been where I had been. He was a member of that club nobody wants to be part of. He understood and he, he made me realize I could survive. And that, that was huge for me, just knowing I could do it. I was doing it. I really don't know how. I I don't know how. And life had to kind of keep going at that point. So I would have to go to the grocery store. I would have to do certain things that um, when you live in a small town like we did, unfortunately, our situation, you... It comes with a level of, for lack of a better way of saying it, celebrity, where people know who you are and you have no idea who they are. They have, they know you. They've seen you in the paper. They've seen things on TV. They, their kids go to school with your kids. They, they mean no harm. They're extremely, you can read on their face that they just want you to know that you know, they're thinking of you and things like that. But the average trip to the grocery store turned into running in for milk and I'm in the store for 45 minutes. Uh, total strangers stopping to talk to you and, you know, very kind, but very intrusive at the same time. The hardest parts were the people that did know you and you knew they knew you and they would make eye contact and turn their cart around and run the other direction because they didn't know how to talk to you. They didn't know what to do. And you didn't know how to talk to them either. The hardest for me was, and what really changed that experience, was I had someone that um, I recognized from schools and things like that, but I didn't know them. Um, I was actually on the phone with my aunt who lived out of state and we were talking and she said something and I laughed and this woman turns to the person with her appalled and says I can't believe she's laughing how can she even laugh and I instantly shut down whatever was in my cart I left I got in my car and I 
didn't know what to do. And I had to, to just, you know, you have these conversations and you know in your heart you're having them with God, but you're having them right out loud in the car by yourself. And what was I supposed to do? Was I never supposed to smile again? Were my kids not supposed to eat because I shouldn't go to the grocery store? Were we never supposed to have any of those those things again? And I had to, to make the decision at that point that I still had to be their mother. So I swallowed that and did the best I could to go home and explain why I had nothing. <laughs> and then got back in my car and drove 45 minutes to another store where no one knew who I was. Or if they did, they weren't brave enough to say anything. It was probably two years before I decided I could walk back into the local grocery store. You know, it was interesting how the world just acted. You know, people would say things to you like, I don't know how you can even get out of bed every day. If it was me, I couldn't. And I don't think they realized that they were making you feel like you loved your child less than they loved theirs because you took a shower and left the house that day. That definitely wasn't the case. I, <laughs> my boys are everything. They always have been. I, the adjustment of buying three of everything. And they were so close. I mean, three of them in 28 months, it was boom, 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 you know? Fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, birthdays came one right after the other. It was never, look what I got, it was, look what we got. Knowing that, that the Simon was missing from the Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. It, it was almost paralyzing at times. You just yell all three names and now you're not yelling all three names. For us, everyone kept encouraging us to find our new normal. And we knew nothing was ever gonna be normal again. It didn't matter what you picked up in the house, it was something. You'd find a piece of paper where he had written his name. You would find Nerf, Nerf darts with his name on them or you know, they were so close, you're just looking at clothes and you're going, that's, no, I guess that isn't, that's yours now kind of thing. And you didn't, you didn't know what to do with any of that. I mean, the dog was lost. And I say to people a lot of times that you don't understand what it's like to go to sleep at night when someone is missing from your house. You know, even if it's a child or a spouse, you know, anyone significant in your life, when you have to go to bed at night and close the door and know that 
person's not there and they're never going to be there again. It's just a feeling you can't even explain to someone. And with time, I started to realize that I had gotten good at getting from one second to the next second. And that I had gotten really good at getting from one minute to the next minute. And I was pushing it down, just kept pushing down, pushing down. You know, it, was his dad okay? Were his brothers okay? What was this person saying at school? What's happening at school? Um, are his friends okay? It, it, there were parents reaching out to me saying, my child's devastated. And your first reaction is, your child's devastated? But yet, yeah, this whole community is devastated. These kids, starting middle school, had to deal with something that no child should ever have to deal with. Parents had to explain things that they shouldn't have to explain. And we decided that we would um, honor West and that was part of our healing process. And so we um, we started a fundraiser. We did a fun run and fireworks and gave away scholarships. Each um, library in his school district has a section of the library that's his section. And uh, we started something, a Halloween type thing in our community where we do Hollow West every year. We still do Hollow West. And the things I realized were they, they were very healing for us. But in the end, if I hadn't had that faith that I knew there was something bigger, bigger than me, that there had to be a reason. Throughout the process and probably after that taking care of people and that uh, what I call the calm when everyone else goes back to their life and you're left with a house full of flowers and a stack of thank you notes and now you have to sit down and sign something that doesn't include his name for the first time and you have to go through all of their things and do all of that, yeah, you start to question, why? God wouldn't do this to me. You're angry, why? If you're good and you're all of those things, why? Why? Just tell me why. Why me? You know, you, you hear stories of kids that are in bad situations all the time. Why did you take mine? You question yourself. What did you do wrong? Why Why is God punishing me? And one day I, I had that moment of why not? And I remember I was getting Wyatt and Colt ready to go to school. And they could tell, they could read it on my face that like today is just not the day guys. Like let's get our shoes on, let's get out the door. Colt says to me, I said, could you just please tie your shoes? He says, I don't know how. You're 10. 
You're almost 11. What do you mean you don't know how to tie your shoes? Well, West always did it for me. I didn't know West would go to his classroom after recess and tie his shoes every day. I taught him how. I just didn't know. And Wyatt, as they're running out the door to get on the bus, turns around and looks at me. And he says, with great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man. And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, great power comes great responsibility when you're the mother of an angel. And it clicked for me at that point that this hadn't happened to me. There was a reason. I just had no idea what it was. And it takes a lot of belief and really searching and going to a really deep place that most people are afraid to go. And I understand that. But you, you have to get to a point that, and everyone gets there at different times, um, that it's not, it didn't happen because you did something wrong. And it didn't happen because you're a bad person. And it didn't happen because you're being punished for something. I went back in the archives to everything I had done in my life. What did I do? Why was I being punished? Even said the words at one point, how did I piss God off? Because I don't deserve this. And I was angry. <laughs> I was very, very angry. I remember sitting in my car and just screaming, just at the top of my lungs, screaming. And it took getting help. It took talking to someone who was grounded in their faith, who had been where I had been, that could help open my eyes and help me see things differently. And I'd love to say I did it all on my own and it was, I'm the superhuman, but I'm not. I needed help. I found that in the people around me. And I think God put those people in my life because they're the people I needed in my life at that point in time. In 2015, um, the boy's dad and I got a divorce. We did become a statistic. Wasn't always good, wasn't always nice, but it really was, in the end, what was best for all of us. I think for me at that point, I finally got to let some of the emotion in. I was taking care of everyone else, but I wasn't, I decided I could take care of myself too. And in having some of the conversations with the counselor and things like that, I kind of developed this theory, I guess, of grief for me. And that was just that every minute of every day, it's just like I'm walking on the shore. And the waves are constantly hitting me in the ankles. They're, they never go away. That reminder is always there. The 
I don't care what it is, it's there. He never goes away. And some days they just hit your ankles and you just keep walking. And others, they hit you in the knees and you think, oh, this is rough. And then some days they just knock you down and you don't ever think you're gonna be able to get back up. But you do and you lean on your faith, it helps you to your feet and you get back up and you keep walking because you really don't have a choice. And I walked that walk for a really long time. Um, in 2015, when I got a divorce, I switched career, or I didn't switch careers, but I switched the companies that I worked for. I'd been with the company for eight years. We parted ways. Um, I went to work somewhere else in the same industry, but I quickly realized that my head was not in the game. Um, I'd been in sales, most of the kids, you know, since they had started school, my head wasn't in the game. And so I took an hourly position and I just stepped back and let myself have all of those feelings and work myself through all of those things. And it took a long time. I got the boys to a point where they were doing better and everything wasn't just about, you know, their brother. It was, they were coming out of their shells again and they were starting to, you know, come out of that kind of darkness a little bit. Um, as they said to me, when he passed away, they became ghosts too, because nobody knew how to talk to them. And nobody knew how to be their friend. And because he had been at a friend's house, Nobody wanted to invite them over. Every parent was scared. And I was scared. I wasn't giving my children to anybody again. So that all just started to get a little better. And in 2018, I left the company I was working for. I was ready to go back into sales again. I was getting married. And I was able to finally start to feel like I was coming out of out of things a little bit at that point and I knew that was because of my faith I I knew constantly that I knew he was okay and that was the only thing that kept me going and you know people will say oh he's in a better place yes I know that but it doesn't change the fact that you still want them here and as the boys started to get older, I had my struggles with um, Wyatt is 5'5 five, five on a good day, and Colt is six feet tall. So how tall would West have been? What would he look like? Who would he be? All of those things just kept coming. And those were the waves. Those were the things that, that were always there. And my boys were adjusting. They got stepbrothers now. They have a stepsister. They have a stepdad. Um, my stepkids have no idea how to do this. They have a stepbrother they never met. They have, my, my husband has a stepson he never met. And they don't understand always the anniversary date and his birthday and those significant dates that we struggle with. So it was a huge family adjustment, again, for all of us. 
Not long after that, my stepdad got very sick. And they had even come to us and said, it's, it's time, you need to, to let him go. Um, we didn't at that point, and <laughs> thanks to God we had him for another three years. But I remember thinking to myself as I was driving to the hospital and all of those things that, one, I kept saying, West, you can't have him yet. And two, thinking of how jealous I was that I knew he would get to see West. It took me a long time to get to a point that I felt okay and I felt secure and were getting my feet back underneath me and had that confidence to go back down the road and back into the career that I loved and all of those things and really found myself surrounded by people that didn't treat me like I was broken. I had been treated like I was broken by almost everyone around me people in the grocery store, the people at work. Um, God love them, my family. No one wanted to have Christmas. No one wanted to ask me a question. I, I have family that they still won't say his name. And I finally got to be in a place where I wasn't broken. And I didn't feel like it was a about anything more than just letting me heal and me be me. And that's, that is because God took me on this journey and put me in a place that I now realize I could be that example. And my purpose in all of this and the why me and the great power that comes with being the mother of an angel is to show other people and help other people know that they can they can do this that they can live and they can still be the mother and the father and all of those things to the other children that they have that's it's not about what happened to me it's about why this happened and i really feel that this happened because God needs me to do this. He needs me to be that example and be a person people can look to and say, yeah, I can. I knew I didn't have a choice. Um, I had to go, I had to go through it. I fought it for a very long time, but I knew I had, I had to go through the journey. And I know that there were lots of different I could take to get there but ultimately in the end God made the way for me through he he gave me a way he was the way maker